Welcome back to Off the Bar Podcast. My name is Rafael de los Santos, and I can't point at them, but we know that we are here with Connor Brian, uh, Alex Gonzalez, Michael Figueroa. Don't mind the first Zoom recording. We're trying some stuff out. Pod is on Zoom oh, this week, as it will be all summer. Because uh, of COVID, right? happened, yeah. Sure, yeah, we're on COVID, COVID watch. Let's say that, yeah. <laughs> not, definitely not because we all went home for summer. Yeah. As we all know, our podcast is based out of the University of Florida, the best university in the country, best university in the world. Go Gators. Um, and yeah, we're on summer break. So for the rest of the summer, our podcast will be on Zoom. And um, I think that'll probably make it more fun because we'll have more people, uh, new people. And yeah, but let's get right into today's episode, which is a reaction to the Champions League semifinals. Somebody on this podcast said that this has been the best Champions League ever. Was that right? Yeah. Back that up, boy. Um, I feel like not a single match was decided until like the second leg, until like late, like even like the Liverpool versus like Villarreal match, which was kind of a nail in the coffin in the second half. We everything changed within like a couple of minutes, and that seems to be the theme with this whole tournament. Is that within a couple of minutes, anything was switching. You can say it's because of the fact that there's no away goal advantage and all that, but even then, like it's just like Real Madrid had a crazy run in my opinion. Like not a single second leg was relaxing it was always we're on the edge of our toes seeing what was going to happen as a Madrid fan but like it was I don't know any of the big games just kind of lived up to the hype at least that's the way I can see it plus Villarreal fantastic run so that was unexpected in the two too yeah I mean like all of like Madrid's games kind of felt like they were they didn't like Madrid didn't really start playing until like the 70th minute or so kind of coasted through a bunch of them you saw that in the Chelsea game uh second like especially you saw that in like this game especially, and even they turned it on a little bit at the end of uh, the first leg against City. Uh, yeah, just a lot of – I mean, I do agree with Michael. I couldn't think of a better Champions League off the top of my head. It's been exciting soccer all around. Yeah, I agree. I'm 50-50. I like that Champions League, do you remember where Monaco knocked out Men's City? That Champions League was crazy. But I think – you know what's really crazy? And I was thinking about this uh, during the game when there was like a possibility of going to penalties. The first – this is the first year with no away goal rule. And can you remember a Champions League that had no penalty shootout? There wasn't a single penalty shootout in the round of 16, quarterfinals, semifinals, zero. Oh, I can't even think of that. The whole point of away goal was to kind of remove a penalty shootout. But like even a tie, if whoever has a away goal advantage will usually take the advantage. But it seemed like the away goal rule taken away didn't really hurt the game. Instead, it kind of made it more entertaining. Even though I still kind of are... I'm skeptical about it because it kind of makes the first leg a little bit unnecessary. But I don't know. It was just this year's just been insane. Like I didn't know what to expect. I honestly thought Real Madrid were a weaker team from the beginning of the season because we lost two of our center backs. We basically were also financially struggling because of COVID. And I thought we we're going to take an easy season where we're like, okay, maybe we make a nice run, but that's about it. And we had a pretty hard path to where we're at right now. We played against PSG, who were favorites, and we played against the defending champs. And then we played against the Premier League champs and also favorites again. And time and time again, we proved that we are a lot more powerful than we thought we were. So, like, just I was shook the whole time. Yeah. Like, let's get into the game, by the way. Like, Real Madrid, 
3-1. Like, absolutely insane. Um, I don't know where Kamavinga got all of that from. Uh, Courtois is, like, without question for me, world 11. Like, I don't care what happens for the rest of the year. Courtois is the best goalie this calendar year. No questions asked. Kareem Benzema is in the world 11. No questions asked. Luka Modric, we'll see. But in my opinion, he's world 11. No questions asked. If Real Madrid win a Champions League, I'm talking about a lot of good champion, Champions League champion, Spanish Super Cup. And obviously, you know, they're the Champions League champions favorite to win the Super Cup as well and the Club World Cup. And we'll see what happens in the World Cup. But, dude, who, who do you guys have as men of the match for today? Courtois is mine all day. For, for men of the match, I'd have to say Rodrigo, man. He, he, he changed the game. If he had not gotten in to this game, I don't think we'd be in the final right now. I, mean, I could say that about Courtois. If Courtois doesn't make the saves he makes, Rodrigo scoring two would have made a difference because the Man City would have scored like seven. Yeah, I mean, it, it's debatable. You can say Courtois, you can say Rodrigo. You know, it's, it's just how, how, how you're feeling, you know. Like, I, after, not going to lie, like, after City scored, I was, I was destroyed. You know, like, I didn't even want to watch the game anymore. And then Real Madrid scored, and I, I was, I still wasn't happy. I was upset. And then there you go, Rodrigo again with the second goal, just came on, and he was electric right from the start. How did I he call score? This? How did he score the second the header? Second one was the craziest one in my opinion. Yeah, how it, did it, he it, score that? Uh, I think Asensio. I think it was Asensio. He he like got a slight touch on it, and then it went right to Rodrigo, and then he hit it in. Yeah, but it's not like. Asensio got the touch, and then Rodrigo looked at the ball and reacted and headed. It was like Rodrigo was already heading, and then Asensio <laughs> touched it, and then it hit Rodrigo's forehead, I, I, and then it barely almost touched the bar as well. Like it was stupid. It was insane. I, I called it. I told Alex, "I'm like, listen, watch." I was just, I was there sulking in my depression, nah, and then I don't want to hear that. I was like, you I was like, scored. They're gonna give us six minutes. And we're gonna have a chance to score again. Watch, we're gonna have a chance to score again. And I didn't think it was gonna be that quick. Like I thought, I, I we could have honestly had another goal there too. Like we could, like the amount of momentum Madrid had after that first goal. Like they didn't know what to do, and that kind of showed with like that. I'm and I'm surprised with the fact that we took out Modric, Cruz, and Casemiro, who are veterans and four times, three times Champions League winners, and. We play with our young core, and we still got that result. That's what surprised me the most, is that City has, sure, City has the experience of being the finals last year, being the league title defenders also, but Real Madrid's young core was playing with so much confidence in that moment that it was, they're basically unstoppable. They were, it was terrifying to watch. It was crazy. Yeah, I don't I don't know what they gave Kamavinga, but he's he's doing really good coming on as a sub. I think he's the future of that midfield. Him and Valverde, for sure, the future of that yeah. midfield. They've been incredible all through the Champions League this year and in La Liga. Dude, I think that today's game, um, like, I had never questioned, like, Modric, Cruz, Casemiro as a as a trio. And they've done what they've done, and that's, like, unquestionable. But, dude, I think Kamavinga just, like, put so much doubt in Tony Cruz's like, role in the team. Like, after today, I've felt that, like, Tony Cruz is, like, what he does for Real Madrid is, like, outdated a little bit. What, like, how do you guys feel about that? Like, I could, I could back that up. Hear me out. So, look at all the big teams in the world, like, the best teams. Oh, yes, Ethan's here. Ethan's, man. <laughs> Ethan's in. Oh, look at God. all the best teams in the world um, or the upcoming teams. Like, I want to say Barca because I know Barca is a really good example. 
Um, but look at Barca and what they've done with their midfield, like Pedri, the young uh, Gabi, the kind of midfield that that is. Uh, you have Liverpool with like Thiago um, and Navi Cato, the kind of midfielders they are. Then you have Man City with like, uh, I don't know if Phil Foden plays left wing, but like guys like Phil Foden, Kevin De Bruyne, uh, especially Bernardo Silva. Bernardo Silva played out of his mind today. Um, those kind of midfielders are just not Tony Kroos, like Jude Bellingham type, Thiago type, the elusive guys that can play defense and attack box to box. And I think Tony Kroos is um, like sitting back, playing long balls, distributing the ball is kind of outdated on, on the Real Madrid side. Like he didn't do anything today. And, and the Tony Kroos name is like a big, he's a big player and he really didn't do anything today. And I don't want to speak negative on Real Madrid because we won the game. But like, I think Kamavinga put a lot of doubt into Tony Kroos on that team. I, I can agree. Like after after Kamavinga came on, you definitely saw a change in, of pace in Real Madrid. And they were like attacking more. And Tony Kroos definitely he likes to sit back and you know give those deep balls in in to the top. So I, I I can I can agree with you a little. And I think it depends how the game's going. Tony Kroos is a great player to have on when you have a nice lead and you need to keep it because he's really good at controlling the pace of the game. Whether it's finding passes, switching like a lot of times when the second half when Real Madrid getting pressured heavily by Man City and we didn't have Kroos, I felt it because we literally had to just hike the ball up. We didn't have a good pass. It was just that whole midfield was basically just a wall of Man City players, and it was really hard for Madrid to move up. And having a player like Kroos will usually help you get the ball up, find those options, change the game, change the offensive pace, and then really have to restructure the other team's defense. But, you know, Kamavinga is, like, in a way, I see Kamavinga is not replacing Kroos in the future, but replacing Casamero's role as he's more of a – like, he looks like he's more of a CDM. He plays more defensively. When he pushes up, he can push up like Casamero can. It's just that Casamero is obviously, like, right now, you can't move him. He still has, I think, a couple of years in him, maybe more than that. Kroos is a little older, so he has less time in his hand. So I can kind of see where you're coming from, but I feel like Kroos still has really good value, a value for the squad. I mean, we'll see, because Real Madrid is, pro- is most likely going to add Antonio Rudiger into their back line, making the back line better. And they're also looking to add none other than Kylian Mbappe up top, which makes you a better team on defense and an insane team on offense, which will make Tony Kroos' job a lot easier. And when he's bad, you won't really be able to see it. But in my opinion, I think Real Madrid should move away from Tony Kroos, which is like such a negative thing to say because we won. But like... It showed today. Um, you say that Kamavinga is more like Casemiro, but man, I thought Kamavinga was all three of them put together. He's missing the the quality pass of Tony Kroos, maybe because like who has that pass? Like very few people. Like Thiago, Xavi Alonso had that kind of pass. Like, but dude, the tackles Kamavinga was putting in with Casemiro all day, and the way that he's able to beat people on the dribble is Luka Modric all day. That's what Casemiro was missing, and that was the problem that uh, Man City really found. And for some reason, they decided to sub off De Bruyne, and then they decided to sub off Rodri, and stuff happened. I think I think we should let Ethan speak a bit what he thinks about the game. Speak yeah, Ethan. Ethan Sanabria shrouded in darkness. All right, so I'm heated right now. Mm-hmm. It is 90 degrees in my house, so that doesn't help either. There's a fan blowing on me, and I don't want to turn on the light because it'll get even hotter as soon as I start my little rant real quick. You're up 1-0 going into the 90th minute. 
you know what? That's fine. Take off De Bruyne. I'm okay with that, actually. He wasn't having a very good game, and he's not a striker like the Ronaldo type. So it's not like one of those one touches he can change the game like that, especially because he's driving forward all the time with the ball, and he has it all the time. He, he, it wasn't working. So I'm okay bringing on Gunduan in that moment. But why are you taking off Riyad Mahrez? It doesn't make any sense. Make sure you guys secure the victory. You guys brought in a CDM. You brought in Fernandinho. You brought in Gunduan, two guys who are – Adept to playing the six. Obviously, good one plays an eight sometime. And after that, you just bottled it. Both our center backs looked lost. Uh, Kyle Walker got hurt, helped on the other side, which Vinicius was not in a pocket, but he missed a lot of opportunities where he felt rushed. Whereas when Fernandinho was there at the right back position, he was able to at least keep up with him. He was able to, sorry, Kyle Walker was able to keep up with him, so added that pressure which made him be like, hey, look, shoot off, as well as, you know, Vinicius is prone to misses. So there we go. That was like a perfect storm for us defensively on that left-hand side. Then you had an opportunity, multiple opportunities. That was a great, great goal by Mars. I don't know. I still don't understand. Why are we subbing off Mars? It doesn't make any sense. Like, all right, maybe if you want to go a little more defensive. But Pep is just known for his disaster class at Manchester City. I can name them off. You can start off with Real Madrid first then back to Monaco, then to Liverpool, then Tottenham, then Lyon, then Chelsea. It happens the same thing every year. And you know what the issue is for me? They give me hope. They give me hope because, you know, you're chilling with the 90th minute. And you know what I mean? Hey, we actually have a chance because I thought we were going to lose this game, to be honest, until the 90th minute where I was like, all right, you know what? The 90th minute, they put on two defensive midfielders. They have an opportunity to go in the store, have a chance. I, this is what I was talking about it with Rafa on the last leg. You give this Real Madrid team an opportunity to score, they're going to take it. They find a way. They may not be the most talented team. They may not be the best organized. They may not be – you know what? They have a Bondor potential player in Kareem Benzema and a kid who should obviously win the award is played better than any other player in the league right now. And this is what you get if you're a City fan. I was just telling myself, I was like, all right, cool. So you watch City play in, you know, March and April, seasonal depression. They just go hand in hand. It happens every single time. So, you know, sorry for my little rant. It had nothing to do much with the football tactics and stuff like that. But I'm just pissed off. And that's just gonna how it's going to be for the rest of the day. So. It's okay. You know what the problem is? Pep is overrated. Super duper overrated. Um, and that's fine. You know, you hear the name Pep and you think, oh, he's going to coach my team and do very well. But he's just overrated, bro. That's just what it is. Um, he will win you the league, though. <laughs> He'll win you the league, sure. He'll win you the league by a lot every single year, but we'll absolutely bottle you Not every other competition. I don't know, dude. He's it, like, it was I, questionable, so. <laughs> <laughs> I, feel, I feel Ethan's pain, though. I, that's how I felt when City scored the first goal, but I, I agree that Guardiola, he just – he he messed up big time, man. He shouldn't have taken out Mars. Mars was playing really well. Yeah, he just – he made a, a lot of bad decisions. And Maros didn't run a lot, too. Like, he wasn't exactly – like, the City barely had – like, they they had the head ground as the chances, but they weren't exactly like Madrid was when they were, like, pushing desperately. Like, they had – they're just trying their best, moving the ball up, keeping possession, and then finding opportunities, while Madrid was kind of pushing up and, like, trying to get runs as much as possible. And it made – like, I agree with Ethan. It made sense to take out the Buren. He's not as offensively inclined. He was very tired in the game early on. 
So he was, he was really, really, really he was really poor at first touch, especially in and out of the box. He was really tired too. So I'm like, I'm like, listen, you have Foden, you have Mars, you have Gabriel Suso, you have Ronaldo Silva, and the bench you have Grealish and you have Sterling. Like you have enough offensive talent on the bench alone to give Real Madrid a headache. So it made sense to take him out and just put another center mid there. But what didn't make sense was the fact that Pep put two CDMs in the end of the game. Like having Rodri and having Fernandino didn't exactly help offensively for you guys. And that's why they ended up taking out Rodri for Sterling. But it was too late. Like Madrid already had too much momentum on you guys. Two CDMs and someone who's previously able to play CDM in Gunawan. So like at that point, your entire midfield and then you move Bernardo up to the wing or like up a little bit. He's just not... He's a, so much better of a midfielder. And when Bernardo plays and he has that opportunity to dribble across and, like, then break through lines on the defensive, that's where he's put best. And I don't know. I just – I'm so confused. I'm so upset. And it's just another year of being a City fan. Look, you guys are great. You know what I mean? Because you guys get to enjoy awesome titles and, you know, Champions League football and stuff like that. Great. There's no, there's no way that is such spoiled. You're, you're spoiled, Ethan. You're spoiled. Yeah. With the, with, the, with the Yankees logo hanging overhead, you are certainly spoiled. Like you, you, you won what, like five of the last like seven prems? Is that right? That's not yeah. about right to me. We like, uh, don't get me wrong. Like mm-hmm. I love it, but like as city fans, I don't like to say it too often because we yeah. do have like the second highest uh payroll on any single team uh outside of united we should at least have bagged one champions league during guardiola's tenure and tenure's not over yet but if he doesn't bring one i think it's a little bit disappointing not like as a failure if that makes any sense because a little bit i think it's a little bit disappointing that like he comes in he's supposed to be the greatest manager of all time and isn't able to deliver it's hey, okay. I don't, hey, I don't think he's the greatest manager of all time. I'm just saying, like, that's what's going around. You know what I mean? That's what people are saying. He's supposed to be the greatest manager of all time, yada, yada, yada. Can't even bring the Champions League. That puts it into question 100%. So, With a team like that, too, like I said, you had literally Grealish and Sterling in the bench. Those are two players that would have been starting in almost three of the top five teams in the Premier League right now. Easily. And, like, I, the crazy thing is you're going to get, like, Holland next year for a ridiculous amount of money, and that might help your – that's going to probably help your chance a lot more. Maybe you'd be, you'd be favorites again. But I find it weird how, like, the two teams that got, like, crazy buyouts from, like, foreign clubs, as in, like, City and PSG, have yet to have won a Champions League. With all the money they've spent since their acquisition, they have not – they barely touched the finals, and when they have, they've lost. Neither one of them have a real team. That's the problem. It's not a real team. Get a striker. I bet you win this game. If you had a striker, you would have won. What did Gabriel? I mean, Gabriel is good. We don't like, have a, need a striker. He's playing left. He's playing left wing the entire game. He's been playing wing a lot for them lately. But like, I mean, having like a body like uh, you saw, like Benzema was able to punch through that box a lot, or at least get like touches and shots. And he should have had. I mean, if you watch like the beginning of the game, like. Ben, like Benzema and Benicia's both like skied a bunch of chances, like a uh, Marotta style. So if you, you like, if Benzema struggled because they were marking him so heavily, Benicia's had a lot more chances because they were yeah, so really. concentrated on Benzema. I think mm-hmm. the only time Benzema had a really clear cut chance in the first half was 
the, the cross that Kawaraha put in, but it was too like high up. That's why he hit it with this part of his head instead of like where he needed mm-hmm. to. But yeah, Vinicius should have scored like three goals. No, listen, that was a good cross. That was a great cross. He headed it wrong. He was startled. Like, it wasn't a – Man City did so well in putting him off. Like, the men had wide-open headers. He had wide-open shots. He was just missing. The same thing with Vinicius. The only the only point that I agree with is that they were focusing on Benzema was the beginning of the second half where they played a ball over the top to Danny Carvajal. Danny Carvajal played it first time through the box. Everyone rushed to Benzema. Benzema did not touch it, and Vinicius had a wide-open shot. Like, left foot and hit it wide. I don't know how. Like – but he hit it wide. Um, Ramos was just missing. We, we, City doesn't have a player over 5'10 in attack. And it showed today. It just completely showed it. As soon as they started whipping balls into the uh, crosses into the box, they just had nobody who was over there to go help them out. So, I don't know. You probably, you probably reckon as like 5'7 just with Foden. Sorry. We're giving, we're giving Mares like yeah, a with crazy the amount of credit. But like, other than the goal, like what – that's remind me, like, like I'm not saying he had a bad game, but remind me of what did Morris do other than the goal, like big play, a highlight, something like that. Didn't do anything. The entire city team didn't really play very well, to be honest. They played okay. I, think, I mean, I think outside of Grealish coming on late, I could, I think it's fair to say, like, outside of one play from Morris, I don't think City's attack played very well. I think the only shining part in our attack was. Silva, Bernardo, and just like yeah. the ability to go across. But you remember when I told you that if there was any player that I could take from Man City, it would be Bernardo Silva. Bernardo. I mean, he's been our best player the entire season, so that's, that's crazy. He's, he's so clear of the point if he just actually like played his position. Like, yeah, I'm just saying that Rodrigo's like five nine. He scored a header. <laughs> not right now, please. He's <laughs> not tall. No, you're not wrong. It just hurts. Two goals in a minute. That was Rodrigo. He's probably secured that uh, hero card on FIFA this week, right? Like, he was incredible. I mean, if we're going back to man of the match, like, it really is a hard conversation between Rodrigo and Courtois. Courtois. No, it's Courtois. I think it's. I think there's a debate, though. I mean, if you look at the match, was excellent. Do you think Courtois? Do you think Courtois should have saved that first goal though? Because. That's a hard one, dude. It's a large shot. Little no, that's a hard shot to block. That's yeah, a that's, goal. He yeah, that's whipped a goal, it 100%. He, he almost post, top, top left. And Courtois, the only reason he didn't save it was because he, he went to the right and then tried to go to the left. If he just goes left, of course he saves it. You, you remember the shot he saved on Cancelo? Who saves that, bro? What are you doing? That's true. That's true. That and the true. one that he tipped that Fernandinho almost scored? Of course. Well, it's Grealish at the end of his leg, too. Like, him stopping that was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how do you guys feel about the quickly uh, taken uh, kick, free kick? Uh, I mean, like well, I, I don't know. Well, I mean, one Foden has to put that in. At least on target. At least on target. It was a, it was a stand-up sky shot. That ball. It was yeah. a stand-up shot. Like, he, yeah. he controlled it and on that same foot tried to shoot it. Like, it was kind of hard. Yeah, like I said, you can debate if it was Courtois or Rodrigo. Like, I don't think so. How do you how do you how do you think this game would have been if Rodrigo didn't come in? Bro, Courtois doesn't make any saves. Rodrigo could score a hat trick and it wouldn't be enough. But Rodrigo like, scored four and it wouldn't be enough. What I'm saying is Courtois kept the team in the game and then Rodrigo came in and did a miracle, bro. Good for him. Well, we're, we're just talking about the second leg, not the first leg. Because Courtois Second leg. 
Second leg, I think it should have Courtois been. Courtois had eight saves. Courtois had an eight point two match rating. Rodrigo had an eight point seven with two goals. That's crazy. And Benzema had an eight point eight. Yeah, he had a goal and assist. Goal and assist. Yeah. I don't think it's Courtois, bro. He uh, had eight saves. Eight. The confidence he has to get like two goals that quickly. Right when he got subbed in, and on top of that, you know, being five nine and scoring a header, that was crazy. He dropped somebody in his twenty seconds on being on the pitch. Yeah, <laughs> you knew he was gonna do something. Ah, God. <laughs> I mean, pulling up the uh, off the bar Twitter, we did a uh, we ran a poll about man of the match. It's currently seventy five percent Rodrigo, twenty five percent Courtois. So I mean, I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people are looking at base stats and maybe not considering. Uh, what Courtois actually did for the game. Well, I think yeah. Courtois was amazing. I think I think it's a debate. I think it's a debate to be had, though. Yeah. If you know, if you know how many saves goalies make on a regular basis, and I told you that Courtois made eight saves against Man City in the Champions League semifinal second leg, you'd agree with me. A couple of the shots were right next to, like, right in front of him, but he did have a great game. Bro, I just named like the shots. Ber- no, no, remember no. Bernardo's half volley as well? Yeah, like, just saying. We were talking about eight. And I was like, yo, a couple of them were like right at him, but he did have a great game. So, no, it's true. A couple of long shots were right at him. Yeah. Bernardo's half volley. Cancelo's shot. The one he tipped away from Fernandinho. And I know I'm missing one. Not Grealish, Grealish one where he just kicked it away. It's crazy, bro. He, he's been in a match for me undeniably. Good stuff from Rodrigo came on super sub and all that, but. Without Courtois, none of that matters, bro. Let's talk about the controversy, the penalty. It's a penalty. I don't care what you say. It's, it's a penalty. Man. It, it is. It's, it's the most classic penalty of all time. That is pass, for sure a penalty. The attacker beats them to it, and the defender makes the foul. Classic. It was Other than that, I really like, like one. If he would have gotten there one second earlier, it would have not been a penalty. But it's unfortunate. He made the he made the move. He did the right move. He had to get that ball. And Benzema was just there first. So look at it this way. It's not like it's one center back's fault. It's both of them. Ruben Diaz gave away a penalty this this leg and the last leg. It was who? Before it gave away the other pen, but is that a pen? Is that a pen? Yes. Technically by the rule. Yeah. Technically by the rule, there should have been two pens in this game, but you know, yeah. yeah, that handball was a pen as well, but you know. Yeah. Just driving out here. Gotta make the game interesting. The commentary was like it, it was in a natural position where his hand was like right here. <laughs> Bro, it was a handball. He's definitely handball. Yeah, and then like Zinchenko, yeah. Zinchenko tried to do like a freaking sixty meter dive. Like what was that? <laughs> the other end. Bro jumped over him. Like what are you doing? So do you, like I'm 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 gonna have to say that this is probably the the best two legs of this year's Champions League. I don't know. It's the best two legs I've ever seen in my life. Any Champions League. Yeah, it was what I, I mean. It was aggregate six five score. It was electric the whole way through. Like I would be remiss to find another Champions League like two legs, like two legs that were better than this. Yeah. It went down to the wire too. Mm-hmm. Good game. It was. It hurt, but it was a good game. So, yeah, you could probably say that this year Real Madrid's games have been in, insane. Like they've been having lots of comebacks. You know, against PSG, that game was insane. Against Chelsea, the second leg, even though we were down, we still managed to bring it back. And now against City, did it again. So, man, I think this is, like, easily one of, if not the best runs 
ever, if you look at talent-wise uh, for any Champions League team, you have to yeah. go through PSG, you have to go through Chelsea, you have to go through Manchester City, and you have to go through Liverpool. If, dare say it, is it possible that this is the greatest Champions League run in Real Madrid history if they beat Liverpool? No, it is not the greatest Champions League run in Real Madrid history. It's, a, it's the coolest by far. Like, what? Coming back second leg every single time or having to hold on against Chelsea on second leg? Very cool. Greatest? Absolutely not. Real Madrid um, won the Champions League one year against Juventus. 2017? Um, 2017. They beat the French champions in PSG, who had just gotten Neymar. They had Mbappe. They had everyone. Round of 16. Quarterfinals? Bayern, if I'm not mistaken. Right? Bayern? Look at that year. What year was that? 2017. 2017. It was PSG. They beat PSG, the French champions. Bayern, German champions. No, it might have been. It might have been Napoli. Napoli. No, I'm definitely getting messed up. It was like the champions of every domestic league, and they beat them all. Look it up. Uh, they yeah they they beat they beat Napoli in the round of sixteen, mm-hmm. and they beat Bayern, and then they beat Atletico. Okay, then that's the wrong wrong one. Yeah. Go forward or back a year. Think forward. It was the year they beat Liverpool in the final. That was the first one we won before we won the. No, that was the, the second one. No, the the Liverpool was a well, that was the last one. Yeah, that was twenty eighteen. Yeah, check that one. Did they play PSG in the, in the semis that year. Yeah, that's the one. Right? Yeah, Real Madrid against PSG, Real against Juventus. And then Real Madrid versus Bayern, and then we beat Liverpool in the final. Wait, who were the Premier League champions? Uh, not Liverpool. Yeah, no, it wasn't Liverpool. Liverpool didn't win the Premier League that year. Liverpool, they won it, I think, the year after. Before was Chelsea. Yeah, Liverpool's first Champions League, first Premier League title was in 2020. That might have been the Centurions, or that was 2018-2019. So that year they beat PSG French champions. Who would they beat after that? Juventus. Were Italian champions, then Bayern, German champions, and then Liverpool. That's not real. And the rule be Porto, City, and then went and beat Roma. Because Roma beat Barca that year. That's the year that Barca yeah. 3-0. <laughs> That's the greatest Champions League run I've ever seen. Over this one, for sure. It's, this was more that, exciting. Like, that, that Real Madrid team... When they won that, they already won two prior. So yeah, they were expected to. Which makes it. it even better, bro. Yeah, Look, but they were not, not a fan of Madrid, clearly. But uh, I think that would be the most dominant run. And I think this is, like, the most entertaining. I don't know. But that's what my opinion is. That's what I'm saying. Because, like, this year, um, Real Madrid, round of 16, played PSG. PSG is really cool because they have they have Neymar, Messi, and Mbappe, but at the same time, they're not good. They're just not good. They're actually not good. On paper, they're good, but they're not actually good. Like, they're not even French reigning champs. Like, Leo have won. Like, so, but, like, it's PSG. It's a, it's a cool win. Then you have, like, Chelsea, defending champions. That does have merit to it. Um, then now Man City, obviously, that has merit to it. I think we'll have to see. If they beat Liverpool, then, like, maybe you could have the argument because this would be, like, I guess you could argue for the last one, Real Madrid was favorite in every single game because, like, they had won two Champions League prior. Where, like, this one, Real Madrid was not favorite against PSG. 
Real Madrid was not favorite against Chelsea. Real Madrid was not favorite against uh, Man City, and they're not going to be favorites against Liverpool. So if they yeah. win, if they win the Champions League, then maybe we can have this conversation. That's why I'm saying if we win, if Real Madrid wins the Champions League against Liverpool, Karim Benzema is a balloon door lock. I don't care what happens in the in the World Cup, which is probably going to be favorable to Benzema anyways because he's French, and they're probably going to have a nasty World Cup anyways. But to me, it locks. Uh, Benzema is the Blondor winner. He's going to end up with, what, he has 15 goals in Champions League right now. He's tied with Cristiano for most in a campaign. No, I think Cristiano's, I think Cristiano's 17 he's tied or most, uh, He's tied most for Cristiano in a knockout stage. Yeah. It's 10, that's what yeah. it is. And, uh, but he has like 15 goals right now or something. And Cristiano's most is 17. Yeah. So if he has a hat in the finals, he gets a... <laughs> Even if he ties yeah, it, good, good luck on Virgil Van Dijk, dude. Good luck running three goals on. Speaking of Virgil Van Dijk, little... um, Michael Ballack said, and I thought I'd say this because I knew we were going to talk about uh, Liverpool be around, which we'll get to in a minute. This is what Michael Ballack said about uh, Van Dijk probably yesterday. He said Van Dijk is very lucky to play in an era where there is no Drogba, Lampard, Cher, Henri, Rooney, Van Persie, Tevez, Adebayor, Diego Costa for some reason in the Premier League. No Diego wonder, Costa should not be. <laughs> no wonder he's the best defender in the league. How do you guys feel about that? He's saying that there's no, there's no more like big physical strikers that can like really take on uh, Van Dyke. Well, what about Lukaku? Ethan's deflect. <laughs> Ethan's deflecting from his own pain, bro. And I don't have to take that. I mean, you're not wrong, but like, entertain me a little bit. I mean, you're acting like Van Dyke hasn't had to play against like. Sergio Aguero, 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 Aguero and his crew. Sergio Aguero and his crew. We're talking about strikers. So you're, uh, Timo Werner is a great uh, – one of the elite left wings in Premier League Aguero's soccer. Like 5'7 and 150 <laughs> pounds or something. Listen, he's one of the great strikers in Van Dijk has had to play him. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really scrambling to think of better – I mean, better strikers that Liverpool's had to play against. I mean, if we're going beyond strikers, just looking at attackers, like – I'm playing oh, – Ronaldo plays <laughs> – I'm, I'm scrambling. Yeah, Ronaldo but plays Brown uh, – I mean, relax on that. I think Van Dyke, if Ronaldo's not watched, he's the second leading scorer in the Premier League. You want to talk about watch? Let's talk about Messi, but that's another question. Um, Lead, leading a sister in uh, League In League One, cool. Yeah. Cristiano's the second leading scorer in the Premier League, right? Right. I think let's, let's not get into that. But um, let, let me give you, like, this is what I want to say is that there's not a reliance now on having a very good number nine. It's sure it's important, but a lot of teams in the Premier League don't have like ridiculously good top scoring number nines now. Like I think the only team that has like probably a good person in that position would be maybe United with Ronaldo. And then you can look at Kane and Tottenham. And then you can Kane look and at Son from Tottenham. Yeah. But like it's very like this generation's been mostly reliant on having your wingers be the top dominant goal scorer scorers. And that's very prominent in the Premier League. I was like Sané and Salah are the top scorers of that team. So other teams are, are relying like that. Plus, like technically, like Man U had a really had a bad year this year, but last year they had a very dominant offense where like Rashford and I think it was Cavani were scoring plenty of goals. So that team was pretty hard. Like I, I think it's unfair for Balak to say that when he played in a completely different generation and didn't win any like major trophies. Like Van Dijk is playing in a good squad where it, it's a huge factor to it. He's playing a very good team. That's a good defensive team, good offensive team. And 
like I feel like it's just a different game than when Bala grew up. Like, yeah, Ramadan is certainly going to be the underdogs against Liverpool, but if there's anyone that's like any of the guys that Balik named and who's in form right now, it's definitely Kareem Benzema. So, yeah, I agree. Well, yeah, I mean, dude, you want to talk about like impact, instant impact when Virgil van Dijk went down, Liverpool was a totally different squad. Now, I know they had a lot of injuries going into uh, January, but when he was out and it was just him out, you could totally tell that was a completely different Liverpool team. You, you can argue that he has the biggest impact on any squad in the entire world. I'm just going to say that and put that right out. You had me in the first half. That what you just said was madness. I think you take out Benzema from Real Madrid and they just play like freaking Valladolid. I just want to add real quick that the man of the match words just came out and Courtois did win man of the match. So. Yeah, that's that's why. That's why. I don't even. I don't, I'm not even gonna say. It. <laughs> I think you would have a hard time in Prem history finding a defense like a center back, especially that's a bet like better than Virgil Van Dijk. I really do. You have guys that could contend for it, but I don't know if you'd ever find a better center back than Van Dyke. And I don't think that's a product of the era. I think it's a product of his quality as a defender. I don't know about better than Van Dyke, but there's definitely some guys that uh, the argument is there to be had. But I haven't, wa- I didn't watch them like that firsthand, so I won't mention it. But off the top of my head, like when John Terry was good, he was he was John Terry. Fair. When fair. when the, when the Vidic was the Vidic. He was Nemanja Vidic, you know what I mean? Yeah, but like Rio Ferdinand, like Sol Campbell, but like, I don't know. I didn't personally watch those guys play like hardcore. So I disagree with Michael Ballack. I think that Virgil van Dijk is literally, um, he's the best center back in the world, really. I think the only person that's like right there with him is Antonio Rudiger. And unfortunately for Rudiger, van Dijk plays for Liverpool, who is the better team when it comes to Chelsea and Liverpool at the moment. So Van Dijk gets the praise being the best center back in the world. And that's just the truth. Like at the moment, Liverpool is better than Chelsea than, also uh, plays five at the back, yo. Hmm? That Chelsea plays five at the back? That you said? Yeah. yeah. The defense is yeah, and I, but and I didn't score first. Makes- we didn't score four goals in the first leg of our Champions League run and still lose. Damn. But he still makes the plays though. Like even against Real Madrid, you know, he like got the assist. He passes to Benzema. Like I've never seen that like do anything like that. You score four against the Bruce. You can't score one against Everton, Connor. Come on, man. See, I'm just trying to have an intelligent conversation listen, about why Van Dyke is better. You're just coming out. Listen, man. Connor, it's, right? not, it's, not, it's not. It's not. Connor's, it's not Connor. Connor's thing. Listen, we're not talking about what we're, we're not talking about Richardson. We're not talking about Richardson. Hey, Ethan, Rodrigo's not even a starter, buddy. Not even a starter. He's on a bench. Is he even rare in FIFA? He is rare. You're lucky. He is rare. <laughs> He'd be like an $80 million sign from Pep and he opened on the bench for half the year. Yeah. Dude. That's fact, hey, Pep, actually. Yeah. Get a striker. You want to get better next season? Get a striker. You are getting Erling Haaland. But yeah. that's literally it. And stop playing right back to that Stop it. It's not cool. Alex, I'm like, Man City has so much like firepower on them that they can just adjust the lineup like that and they'll still be a threat. Like you could have put Bernardo, like I said, you put Bernardo at right right, right wing, and he's still gonna give you a headache. You give, you have Sterling, Relish, Asus, uh, Gabriel Asus, who's on form right now. Like that whole team is just a threat offensively, constantly. The problem it's, is you have guys like Bernardo and Kevin De Bruyne that are breaking lines, and then what do you have to do? Inevitably pass out to your wings because who who are your good players in that front line? Phil Foden, Riyad Mahrez, Gabriel Asus is very questionable as a striker playing in the Champions League semifinal. 
He's not the guy you want there. Who do you want there? A guy like Karim Benzema, a guy like Erling Haaland, a guy like Lewandowski, which I know is a lot to ask. But, like, dude, you're Man City. You're dropping a billion in transfer, uh, but, like, spending in the last, like, whatever amount of time, like, five years or something, six years or, or, or a decade or whatever, since Pep has been there. Dude, you want a real striker. So you know what the problem is? You pass out to Mares, who's there? Fernand Mendy, good player. You pass out to Vavodin, who's good there? Danny Carvajal, good player. You're not attacking Nacho, bro. That's where you want a guy. You want a guy that can take on Nacho. How did Chelsea uh, start making the comeback in the second leg? They went straight at the center backs. There was no Militao there. First goal, right down the middle. A bunch of goals came down the middle. Or you switch out to the wing, you make them shift in, and you cross the ball in. Same thing that Chelsea did. Same way that Man City scored in the first leg, bro. The whole defense shifts. The center backs suck. You yes, expose Alaba. You, ex- you expose them. Dude, Phil Foden scored a header. Phil Foden is a good player, but, bro, he shouldn't be scoring a header against Real Madrid. That should tell you a lot about the center back situation at Real Madrid, and that's something that Liverpool's going to be looking to capitalize on for sure. But you know what the yeah. problem is? Liverpool also don't have a good striker. Like, they kind of do, Diego Jota, but they kind of don't because he did nothing against Real. I don't know. They have a scary offensive piece. They do. I mean, lately for Liverpool, especially Mane's been playing striker a ton, and he's big enough and fast enough to play that. He basically plays that for Senegal right now, too. Um, the attacking power and, like, the like Liverpool is, like, five or six guys deep in their attack that can all be starters for just about any Prem side, any majority sides in the world. Like, you're looking at, like, say about four. four. What? For me, no, doesn't count, surely. I'd say about four. Like the guys they have already. Four, four, you have four genuine, like uh, for me, no, that's fair. You have four guys that could come into the majority of sides in the world and start 25 games a season. In, in Giota, Salah, Mane, Luis Diaz. They're incredible. Damn. They're incredible players. I mean, if you, if you look at like the game, if you look at the game yesterday, uh, like Liverpool's floundering in that game, a lot of problems defensively because the fullbacks are pushing so far up. Um, Luis Diaz comes on, changes the entire game. They shift Mane inside, take Jota off. Um, I don't think it was all Jota's fault because uh, Navicato was in there just putting in a solid, like, 4-0 rating. But, no, like, like Luis Diaz comes on as a super sub and, like, cha- completely changes the entire, like, vibe of the game. It was, it was incredible to watch one of the best, like, sub appearances I've ever seen in soccer. If you look at, like – and the fact that they have, another, like, a guy every week that can come in and do that based on the way they play, like, it's incredible. Like, I think – if you're looking at this Liverpool side, that I think they do stand a good chance. That I would put them as the favorite against Madrid, based on that. Oh yeah, and um, Luis Diaz is in form. He's really in form right now. I would not put that as one of the best sub performances I've ever seen. Take that back. Well, I mean, Lewandowski scoring four is probably Rodrigo the best one, but... today. Like, I yeah, Rodrigo today. I've seen a lot of crazy ones in the Real Madrid fans. But what I, what I think is Real Madrid and Liverpool this year have like offensively they play the same in a sense that like they don't have to be good they don't have to be dominating for 80 minutes or like 90 minutes of the match they just need five minutes to flip the game in their direction Dude, that's the what happened is... against Villarreal they literally got lucky in the first in the first leg once they had that goal they scored right after under 10 minutes and that's how they are they get in once they get in like they have the crowd on their side or they have the confidence they're very hard to defend against especially when you have Salah you have Mane you have Jota you have Diaz and you have Firmino. They're like all these people that can just score whenever they want to. You just need the right opportunities. And with players like Salah Mane, they will get you those opportunities when you need it, especially with the midfield with Thiago and Jordan Henderson. They, they can push the team up to have dominant ball possession right outside the box to get that cross in. 
mm-hmm. and you're talking about Trent, who's ar- arguably one of the best assisters. Like I feel like that team can out of nowhere just flip it. The same as Madrid. Madrid most of the, most of their games, they weren't the better team for a majority of the time. But when they made they got opportunities, they capitalized it, and then they had the momentum to keep going and going and going. Like look, last leg, City was dominant. City could have been a six with City could have had four goals before we even had one goal at one point. But if you don't make those goals, Madrid is gonna bite you in your butt. <laughs> They're gonna score. <laughs> just a matter of time. I think that the Villarreal game, uh, Villarreal-Liverpool yesterday exposed a lot of things in Liverpool, though. Like, we can sit here and talk about how good they are in attacking. That's true because of their depth. And they are really good in attacking because inevitably, like, they have Jota, who's top five in scoring in the Premier League. They have Salah, who's leading the Premier League in goals and assists. So, yes, they are very important in attack. But they were pinned back the whole first half. I think it was mostly... Uh, it was inevitable in a way because Liverpool are just better than Villarreal. Um it was kind of on Emery as well. Like you have him on their back leg and you just let them get the ball like that. You let them sit back. You don't sub off Jared Moreno who's injured. Like you don't make subs to keep the pressure up. And instead you try to sit back on the team that's better than you. You're going to get scored on. And it was unfortunate because Fabinho's goal was not good. It just wasn't good, but it went in and that caused all the other goals to go in. So who knows what happens, but I think that I also agree that Liverpool are favorites, but like, that game against VRL yesterday definitely brings up a ridiculous amount of question marks. Like, what happens if you don't let Trent and Andrew Robertson go up? Liverpool doesn't work. What do they have to do? Play balls over the top, which could work against Madrid, or it might not work. And if your attack doesn't work against Madrid, you're, you're effed because their attack is going to work. It just is. Like, an, we can now say that it's almost inevitable. Like, Real Madrid's going to score on you. They've, they scored every single game, right? Except uh, PSG first first leg. Yeah. No, except went, for when they played against also when they played against Sheriff and we lost. We didn't play. And then they scored three in the second leg. Like Benzema is damn nearly inevitable. Benicia's having at least a chance and if he was just better at shooting, but like it's inevitable. So what happens if you don't let Trent come up? What happens when Benicia's running at Trent? We'll see, bro. No, I'm telling you right now. Great right back defensively. He's very solid. There's so many times finishes almost had it, held him back. But Trent is not a strong defender. And that's going to be... cannot defend Vinicius. That's a given. Yeah. I mean, mean, early, like, favorite for man of the match, especially if Madrid ends up winning that, should be Vinicius because Vinicius is going to absolutely crush Trent. Like, there's no way... I mean, normally, like, their defense works, like, Henderson or Fabinho will come across and, like, help defensively against but like Vinicius has all of them on pace like the closest like Kyle Walker was doing really well against Vinicius today until he got hurt and that's a part of why like Madrid was able to come through and like completely change the vibe of the game after he went out and you even saw that at first stretches with uh, Chelsea against Reese James too like you need a pacey solid defense like fullback in there to defend Vinicius and Liverpool does not really have that in Trent on that right side because yeah, like I think, I think the guys are going to come up go ahead if Vinicius beats Trent, then Matip is going to have to push up, and then that leaves one of like the two people in the box open. Usually, what he likes to do, he likes to push up, get the defender going up, and then once he loses his attention, he pushes right back and he's wide open. Yeah, cut back. He usually makes those. So that's going to be a problem for Liverpool. I'm not saying that it's Real Madrid's going to run through them, but I'm just saying that Real Madrid is a team that realizes what they have in the disposal and how little they have. And they're gonna make the best out of it, and they do. 
Like they, whenever, like look at it, like look, look at the first leg. Their first shot was Benzema's goal. Like they found their guy. He was wide open. He got a crazy volley, and they were down by a goal like that. And they, and they also know who they have on the bench. Like Ramadji plays whoever they put, and if Valverde is not playing, he's the sub. If Rodrigo's not playing, he's the sub. Kamavinga's the sub no matter what. Because Vasquez might come on, everyone else is like, what do we need at the moment? And I think that's something that works in the in the in Ramadan's favor somehow. It works against Liverpool, it works against Klopp, where it's like, when do I bring on Luis Diaz? Do I start Luis Diaz? Do I bring on Jota? Do I slide money to striker or do I leave him out on left wing and put in Luis Diaz as striker or as a wing? Who do I play in the midfield? Because I have I have Abby Keita, I have Jordan Henderson, I have Fabinho. I guess like Curtis Jones and Ox don't really count. But like what's gonna happen if they don't have the ball and Ramadri's attacking Trent, like Trent cannot keep up with Vinicius. So it's gonna be up to Kanate, who's inexperienced that right center back to stop Vinicius. And that's where the penalties come in. Because something that we can't neglect is the fact that Real Madrid got a penalty in the first leg against Man City and in the second leg against Man City. Silly, like somewhat silly penalties, but the penalties nonetheless, they put center backs in tough situations. And the center backs that usually play against good against Real Madrid are experienced center backs. And that's something that they don't have in Kanate. And Kanate has shown that he is a liability on defense against with that goal against Benfica. Well, he just gave the ball away and they scored. So it will be up to um, Liverpool to have the ball and not let their fullbacks get punished and sit back and just shoot, 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 shoot on Real Madrid. Because that way you can definitely, you can definitely score on them. You can definitely score on Real Madrid. This is the weakest back line I've seen on Real Madrid, like, ever. It is. <laughs> I think it's fair to say, yeah. I mean, Nacho's regularly starting games for you guys right now uh, due to injuries a lot. So, given that you he guys are able to win with him. Yeah, Militao has not been – he's been a little shaky lately. I mean, he was very shaky today for stretches. I thought um, shaky last leg very much. Oh, he actually didn't play last leg, did he? I'm going to buzz a left back. He starts at center back. <laughs> no, I know. He did play the first leg. Yeah. I mean, let him four goals uh, first leg of this game, but it's a shaky back line. Yeah. When you have um when you have like Liverpool with their like with their depth offensively and their quality offensively, like this will probably I mean if I had to guess if it's closer to like first leg uh or second leg of like City um Liverpool or City, sorry, City Madrid, I would imagine it's first leg. I would imagine it's high scoring just because like Liverpool's gonna be able to put up goals, but like there's no one that can guard Venetius and Benzema is kind of Benzema. Like he's been incredible all year. So yeah, I mean yeah, so- they should be high scoring. You also have to look at the Premier League. Liverpool is one point behind Man City, so they're not going to rest their players. And this weekend, Liverpool is playing against Tottenham, where Tottenham is fighting for fourth place right now. If Tottenham win this match and win against Arsenal, get the fourth place spot. Or if Arsenal drop points and they win, they get the fourth place spot. So Liverpool is going to have a tough matchup either way. I think Liverpool is a better team than Tottenham, so I think they're going to win it. But... Like the fact that Liverpool still has the title hopes in the back of their mind, and they have the FA Cup, so they're mostly going to keep playing their good players. That's worrisome for them, and that might fatigue them for the finals. Real Madrid already won La Liga, and they are not playing the Copa del Rey. Like they're like uh, Betis already won, so they're done. All they have to worry about is the Champions League finals. They're going to get their players rested. They're going to not really care about. They can literally lose against Atletico this weekend. It doesn't matter. They're probably not even going to try. So, like, it's going to be smooth sailing for them, while Liverpool has a very tough road ahead of them. 
Liverpool is Liverpool, yeah. Nine. Liverpool also has an extra game. Liverpool's playing five games until the final. Real just playing four. And one of them is against Cadiz and Levante. And like Michael just said, they don't matter because Real Madrid already won the, they won the league. Uh, I'm kind of hoping personally, like Liverpool just sacrifices the FA Cup final. Just kind of let's, uh, let's, let's Chelsea get this uh, international treble. No, nah, Liverpool's going for I'm, the foot. Yeah. I don't think they'll. No, I'm hyped for my. Uh, my uh, Our treble. I'm hyped for the Super Cup. Um... Oh, Jesus. I'm hyped for the Super Cup, Club World Cup, FA Cup treble that Chelsea's about to win. <laughs> Most fraudulent treble ever. <laughs> not a treble. Community Shield? I'm counting. The Community Shield, sure. I think yeah, that, it's um. I always forget what it's called, but it's uh between it's Europa League winner versus Champions League winner. It's like Community Shield, that's Super Cup, Super Cup. That's what I said. That's what I said first time. European Super Cup. You won that. You won the Club World Cup, and now if you win this, you have to win. That's a trouble. Weird trouble. That's a trouble. So, so now well, that they technically added... it's not because it's not in the same calendar year. That's a trouble in the same way like Jared Goff's a starting quarterback. Like they're they're both not like. They are technically, but they're but, not. But like, not even on a technical basis is yeah. that trouble. Like, How is it not technically trouble? It's three yeah. trophies in a season. It's not by seat troubles and like six tuples and doubles are not mm. by um, season. They're by year. Like it's 365 days. That's true. That is fair, yeah. actually. That's true. Because you win the league like early in the year and like the domestic cup, then you win the Champions League. So you have three. And then, like, you can't win anything else in the latter part of the year. Because Madrid, if they win the Champions League, then they will, in your logic, trouble because they won the Super Cup of Spain. They won La Liga, and they'll win the Champions League if they win. Yeah. Okay, Dub, so Chelsea trebled last year, is what I'm hearing in retrospect. I get to do uh, a little revisionist history on the podcast. Well, what did you win? Champions League? Champions League, Club World Cup. uh, It's a... Super Cup, yeah. It's a treble, like food on the kids' menu is food. You know what I mean? Like once you win so the food. hardest, the other ones are not that hard. No, that is fair. Yeah, it's just like by definition, a road treble is the the league, the league cup, and the Champions League. Like no matter what, that's yeah, like what it you, is. You won the hardest trophy, which is the Champions League, but then after that, it's basically a cakewalk. Oh wait, I was told by Chelsea social media the Club World Cup was the hardest. <laughs> <laughs> They're from like that was the hardest competition they ever played. As a fan, which is hilarious, but it's a standard of soccer trophies. Well, I mean, back to back to Liverpool. Liverpool has a chance to win the quadruple, which I don't believe has been done before. In of course, not. Who's, who's won the uh, quadruple? Dude, Barca won the sextuple. It has to, It hasn't right. happened in uh, in English football, but it has happened in other places. Uh, in the leagues, you know what I mean. You could argue that the English quadruple is the hardest thing to do. But... Uh, sure. VRL makes a Champions League semifinal against Liverpool. Who's trying to fight for first. You tell me what the harder league is. VRL is like seventh place. I mean, Coutinho did put two on Barca uh, in an A2 whooping before going to Villa. So, that means he must be some kind of good, right? Wait, who? Uh, Coutinho. Decent. Decent. Yeah. Uh, uh, Danny Ings, best striker in the world. <laughs> Danny Ings isn't even the starting striker for Villa. Is he not? No, Ollie Watkins gets like way more starts than him. Dude, it's crazy that like Connor calls Aston Villa Villa, but Villa Real is some other like. It's Villa Real. 
<laughs> my buddy's dad is, is uh, from England and he's a huge uh, Aston Villa fan and he like yells at me every time I say Villas, so I just go straight to Villa. But it's, like, like ingra- it's ingrained in my memory. It's a muscle reaction. They say I say Villa. I say no. I don't say Villarreal. I say Villarreal. Well, I mean, he's the same guy who said uh, what is it, Jata, Jata, or Mbappe, Mbappe. I said Kube. I said Mbappe for like three months on this podcast. Juventus. 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 Uh, Juve. <laughs> Connor is quiet. That's fair. That's fair. I got nothing to say. Listen, listen. Dude. <laughs> Wait. So, what's the sextuple sex is when you win? I guess you treble, and then you win both super cups—the one of Spain, the one of um, Europe—and then you win the club world cup, yeah. right? It, it would be everything. it'd be league, domestic, league domestic, two domestic, cup. two domestic cups, right? This couple don't really. Domestic league cup. League. Cup. League. We just have one some domestic yeah. cup. Yeah. They basically won the Copa del Rey, La Liga, Champions League. Then they won the Super Cup tournament, Super Cup. Spain, Super Cup of Europe, and then they won the Club World Cup. Yeah, that, that's that's like it's, it's impressive, but like a six tuple is like a weird thing yeah. to say when <laughs> it's a, it's basically a whole new season. <laughs> you know, that's why people you make think Guardiola is good because he won the six tuple. I don't Very know, man. Three Champions League is harder to do. <laughs> it's a lot more games instead it of is. One, like it is like, harder. I'm not gonna lie. You play against a couple leagues winner, which were basically, I think at that time was maybe Atletico Madrid. Then you play against the Club World Cup, which is not crazy. And then I think the hardest one will probably be the Spanish Cup because you're playing against probably the second league, which would be Real Madrid. And two legs. At the time, I think it was a two-leg tournament. So, But I don't know. I feel like that's a weird tournament. That's a weird thing to flex. Six double, dude. I don't want to six double for one of it. Crazy. It's like being like, oh, Real Madrid trebled when they won the Champions League and they won the two Super Cups. <laughs> it's like, it, no, because it's not a trouble. It's not a trouble. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Connor. Um, why is Chelsea three points behind Arsenal right now? We're three points behind Arsenal. Arsenal? No, we're, we're not. Three, no way. Uh, three points ahead. My bad. We're three points behind. I was them. like. Brother, hey, can someone can someone fact check this real quick? How far are they from Liverpool? Oh, oh like, my God! Listen, we I, I eat lunch, bro. We got it. Like, don't worry about it. <laughs> we are. I got the table pulled up right now. Uh, Chelsea and Arsenal are even on uh, games. We are up three points on you, despite being twenty six goals ahead of you on goal difference. Yeah, which is. Insane, in my opinion. Um, in, in our defense, we're also playing with like a U23 team. Uh, you know what that means? You're you playing, uh, you are playing all your starters, sir. You're playing huh? all your starters. In my defense, you're playing all your starters, and Chelsea are tired from... Chelsea scores a lot of goals when they win. We have a lot going on. Okay, I, I know. How many teams you got, bro? I have two. Gotcha. Yeah, he's not even a real soccer fan. I don't ever say anything about it, but we should but definitely... Listen, listen, listen. I, I, so the reason why I like Real Madrid and Arsenal... Is because when I first started watching, because you were dropped on your head as a baby. Religiously, I'll be mad. When I first started watching this sport religiously, it was in 2010, and my favorite team was the Spanish national team at the time. And my two favorite players on the team were Casillas and Fabregas. Casillas played for Madrid, Fabregas played for Arsenal, and that's where I just went with it. So I saw Real Madrid lose 5 0 against Barcelona. I saw Real Madrid get 
dogged every time they get to Barcelona. I saw them lose 2-0 in the Bernabeu where Messi scored that crazy goal. So I'm allowed to be braggy about Real Madrid because I was there when they were not winning and Barcelona was just six-tuppling every year. I just all I asked was how many teams you got. But yeah, and I was always there when Real Madrid got <laughs> Arsenal got wrecked always. So. <laughs> Maybe that'll be a future pod episode where we put like uh, Michael on trial and see if it's okay that he likes two major soccer teams. No, just, it's not, it's not like you have like a major one in like an MLS club. It's like you have two like full soccer teams that you support. Well, like I'm not like gonna support you know other I, I just I like these teams because I told you they're the Spanish national team but let's not like art it's not like Real Madrid and Arsenal were like dominated when I was watching them they weren't they weren't winning no back in 2003 when they were both good at the same time well that was 2003 I didn't watch 2010 where Real Madrid got where Barca was the best team in the world and Real Madrid was just got Ronaldo and they were like still kind of finding a footing with Mourinho I remember I remember seeing them win their first trophy against Barca when they when Ronaldo scored the header in the Copa del Rey finals against Barcelona, where they had Pinto as their goalkeeper. So I remember watching that, like the back of my hand. So I, like I said, I've religiously watched these teams. And when I started watching Arsenal, they didn't win a trophy for eight years. That's a long time. So yeah, you guys like, are racking up FA Cups. Yeah, we're, no, we, <laughs> no, it wasn't until like 2013, I think. That was like towards the end of Wenger's tenure. <laughs> And we had like Sanchez already. Like we were just not playing. Well, that's after we got Ozil. So that was like 2013-14. Listen, it's not okay. It's not okay. It's okay. Like what do you want me to it's do? Not okay. Support uh, pick one. They're already no. dominating. Michael, like, if, they, if they play two-day, if they play two-day, who are you supporting? Huh? If, they, if, if Madrid and Arsenal play two-day, who are you supporting? Arsenal, because they haven't won anything in Europe. <laughs> All right. You're an Arsenal fan. You're an Arsenal fan. fan. Yeah. What do you mean? Madrid's already dominating <laughs> Europe. Fan. <laughs> like, I saw Madrid win three in a row. Like, what do you want me to do? Um, <laughs> like Arsenal again. Like, that's because you're a fan of the club. See, like, I wouldn't be like, like for example, like if I, I started watching football in 2010. If I started watching football in 2015, maybe I'll be like a City fan because that's when they got good. Oh wow! Okay, wow. benefits. Crazy. Yeah, you know, you're not a real team if you're sponsored by Puma, anyways. Like, right. you know, are we done? Are we done? There ain't no intelligent conversation. <laughs> Here, here's an intelligent conversation. Hey, Guardiola, get a striker. You know what I'm saying? All right. That's Definitely. enough. Uh, yeah. Um, R.I.P. Chelsea. R.I.P. Man City. It's hilarious that Real Madrid's still alive somehow. They don't have the team for it. I've been saying it. I've been saying this at the beginning, they don't have the team in the Champions League. And I swear to God, if they prove me wrong, it's going to be ridiculous. Like, if Ramjir win the Champions League, it's going to be ridiculous. I don't expect them to. Like but I said, I think it's a better than when we won that year. We shall see. Uh, that backline is so shaky. But um, for some reason, the final is 24 days from now. So That's so far away. Yeah. That's insane. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll drop an episode with predictions um, when we get closer to the final. In 20 days. Yeah, something like that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, this has been Off The Bar Podcast. My name is Rafael De Los Santos. Connor O'Brien. Alison Zales. Michael Figueroa. Ethan Sanabria. Get wrecked, Ethan. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Hey, yo, bro, relax. See ya. Fair play, fair play, man. Good game. No fair play.